Good morning, Murray Hill. We're getting just a second to get ready here. We had some streaming issues. Uh, if you're online, we hope you can see us on Facebook. I don't know if everything else is working, but as we get ready to start, let's pray and let's get ready to worship together. Lord, as we come together today and as we deal with things that are distracting us, as we try to figure out uh, the best way to bring to you our praise, the best way for us to realize that you are our king and to live our lives with your purposes right in the front and center, I pray that today as we do that, you would help us in this particularly tense time to spread the love that Jesus Christ shares with us. I pray that you would help us to be your hands and feet to a world that need to see unconditional love. And I pray that you would help us to support each other. And I pray that you would help us to grow in faith as we grow together and as we sing your praises. God, I pray that as we worship today, everything we do would honor you.
seated if you are joining us here in the building if you are joining us online we're excited that you are with us as well uh, if you are standing you can be seated if you need to top off coffee or anything like that uh, feel free to be seated um, I hope that everyone here is well rested uh, and that nobody arrived an hour beforehand uh, I also hope that no one here was like me and was thought you know thinking I get an extra hour, that means I should stay up later and watch more TV. Um, there were some football games on last night, you know, some of significance, some not so much. Uh, but usually when football's on, uh, it kind of like, you know, calls to me. Like if you've ever seen Moana uh, and the ocean, football kind of has that uh, same, same thing for me. So we're excited that you're here. Um, want to give you a reminder about our giving options, lots of different ways uh, for you to participate with us uh, in giving. If you're in the building, we've got the baskets on either side. You can drop it in uh, on your way out. If you're joining us online, we've got text to give. Uh, you can mail it in snail mail. You can uh, drop it in here uh, just like by yourself, 4300 Post Street. Um, we will uh, be here during office hours. So I uh, do want to encourage you, um, even if you are not uh, with us on campus, uh, that we are still uh, utilizing um, your giving as a way to reach out to our community in a way um, to make sure that God's love is being shared with all of those around us. So encourage you to participate with us in that way. Um, I don't know if you have heard or not, um, but Tuesday... Um, our nation has an opportunity to uh, vote day of, or, um, you know, I think we're like up to 60% or something like that. People have voted early. So um, if no one has told you yet, you're really supposed to be mad about it one way or the other. Um, I, I don't know if, if that hasn't been clear, depending on who you're watching. Um, if you are watching or listening to somebody, they are probably trying to get you very upset about it. And I think one thing that we can 
all agree on in this building is that the one that we serve, the one that we worship, and the one who is our king is not going to change on Tuesday, regardless of what happens. Um, and whether you know this or not, uh, you are either sitting in the building or you are watching online with somebody who has views diametrically opposed to you, but we worship the same king. And that is, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters. And so I want you to think we're going to uh, sing two songs here um, before we toss it to Pastor Doug. Um, one is How Great Is Our God, um, and though we could sing that every Sunday, uh, I think leading into this election season, that's a great reminder. And the second is Waymaker, um, because through this entire COVID, through this entire global pandemic, uh, so many of us, I think, have felt like we're hitting a wall, feel like we're, we're doing the same thing over and over again. This, this is not what we signed up for. This is not our regular life. Why can't things just, just go back to normal? But the thing that hasn't changed and won't change is that God is there for us, making a way through whatever it is we're going through, be it covid be it a crazy election time, be it uh, illness, be it family strife, he is there and he will continue to be there. I'm going to pray uh, and I'll invite you to stand. I'll invite you to participate with us online in the way that you are most comfortable and let's be reminded of how great our God is. God, we thank you that you are one who never changes that you are always there for us, that we can always depend on you to be steady and to be a provider of peace, a provider of love. And so as we continue our, our worship time together and then have an opportunity to open the scripture and, and see how it is that you're going to interact with us today through your word, God. I've just asked for everyone here, asked for everyone online, that when we're told to be angry, when we're told to be mad, when we're told that something's not fair, God, it, it all comes back to you. We thank you for your son. And it's in his name we pray.
waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Father, we come before you and praise you that you are the way maker. We praise you that you're all powerful. We praise you that even when the world tells us that we should be in confusion and we should be upset and we should be focused on the wrong stuff, that you never stop being God. 
And Father, I, I pray that as we go through this journey this morning, as we look at your word, that you will give us clarity, that you will give us wisdom, and that you will teach us once again to trust you. So Father, bless this time, and I pray that your spirit show up at every seat, and I pray that we leave this place transformed because we've had an encounter with you. And it's in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So we've been going through this journey called Who Moved My Cheese? And we've, we've talked about Spencer Johnson's book every time. Um, it's a, a little parable about four characters in a mouse maze. Uh, two, two mice, two humans. Uh, the mice are Sniff and Scurry. The humans are Him and Haw. They're eating cheese, and all of a sudden the cheese is gone. And the book is about the, the four different types of reactions there are to change. And uh, it's a fascinating little book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. Uh, but, but it's a story about when change comes and is thrown into our lives, how do we respond to it? And so we, we said from the start of the series that if there's ever been a year that has moved our cheese, it's 2020, right? 2020 has moved our cheese. And, and it's, it's brought incredibly huge amounts of change for us. And most of it we did not ask for at all. Okay, so we talked about the first week how that affects the church, how, how the church, in, in almost all cases in America, the church is going to be different forever, right? And a lot of you didn't like that, but it's true when you look at what's happening in the statistics and those courses, it's phenomenal what's going on. Uh, we talked about relationships, and we talked about how we need to embrace the people in our lives and, and care for them and love them because we don't know how much time we have with them. We talked we talked about that. Last week, we talked about culture and how the culture has changed so incredibly dramatically in 2020. And again, it, it didn't just happen instantaneously. It had been coming over time, but, but 2020 propelled it along in a very powerful and very swift way. And we saw our culture change and our cheese move that way. And today, we're going to talk about our country and how our cheese has been moved. And look at it with me this way. If you were to compare the 1950s to the 2020s, a lot's changed. A lot's changed. And for a lot of people, that is one of those things that it's like, oh my goodness, what has happened? Our cheese has been moved dramatically, and 2020 has propelled it even further and faster. And so I just, Jay just said there's a rumor that something's happening Tuesday. And you know, this is the ninth, and tells how old I am, this is the ninth presidential election I've voted in. And this is the eighth one in a row that I've been told by people on TV and people in religion that this is the most important election in American history. Every time. I'm getting to the point where I doubt that to be true. In fact, I've been doubting that to be true for some time now. Because the, the truth is, what has happened to us as followers of Jesus is that we've lost sight of who God is. So we're going to talk about that this morning when it comes to elections, when it, when it comes to the country, when it, when it comes to what's going on. I want to encourage you this week, as I did last week, let's step back from it. Let's get a big picture view and let's look at what's going on, not as Democrats and Republicans, not as conservatives and progressives. Let's step back and let's look at it as followers of Jesus. Well, there's a novel idea, right? 
Let's look at, going, at what's going on as followers of Jesus and ask this question, how would Jesus respond right now if he were me? Right, and we're going to look at it that way. We're going to, to focus on, all right, this is what's going on. The country is divided. We, we know that to be true, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And I step back and I look at the big picture and I have to ask this question, how should I respond? So we're going to look at an illustration in the Old Testament of someone who didn't respond correctly. Uh, all right, and so it's, uh, it's the story of Elijah, and, and we'll turn there in just a second. I need to tell you the background. So Elijah was the prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, a prophet, by definition, was someone who spoke on God's behalf to the people. So God would give the prophet a message, and he would give the people a message. And so Elijah was the prophet, had been for some time, and the people, the northern kingdom of Israel, worshipped a false god. They worshipped Baal, god of the Canaanites. And so God got tired of that, and so he sent Elijah on a mission to challenge the prophets of Baal to a duel, to a God duel, if you will. And he had them set up a, um, an altar with a sacrifice on it, and he set up an altar with a sacrifice on it and said, all right, we're going we're to determine which God's real today by seeing which one will send fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. You go first, Elijah said. And they began to pray, and, and, and back to in the story, Elijah kind of mocked him and said, hey, maybe, maybe he's asleep, maybe you should yell louder, that kind of thing. And they went on and on and on, and nothing happened. Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. That's a paraphrase. He told the people, you're going to see the real God now. So he had them pour all kinds of water on top of the sacrifice, on top of the altar, and he began to pray, and fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, the altar, and all the water. And it was at that point all the prophets of Baal were killed. And Elijah got to experience this amazing victory. I think about that story, how cool would that be? To be the one who prayed and God sent fire from heaven. You kind of feel invincible, right? Not Elijah. So Elijah found out that the queen, Jezebel, wanted him dead. So what did he do? He stood and fought. No, he ran. He was terrified. And I always think, you just called fire down from heaven. Why the heck are you running? But he did. And so we have the story then we pick up with Elijah in hiding and uh, his interaction with God. And it's a, it's a very interesting interaction. So we're in 1 Kings chapter 19 at the end of verse 9 through 18. It's on page 355 if you're here in the room using the Pew Bible. And remember that Elijah is hiding out. He's in a cave. He's afraid for his life. And this is the interaction that he has with God. 1 Kings 19, the second half of verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Uh, The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and and whose mouths have not kissed him. Okay, powerful, powerful story. Um, And Elijah had this incredible interaction with God, and one I think that is very helpful for us two days before the election. Elijah was struck with hopelessness. He had zero hope. I mean, look how he says it. And he says it twice, verbatim, word for word. Verse 10, we'll just read 10. He says the same thing in 14. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He was hopeless because he didn't trust. He didn't trust. And you read those words and what he said in verse 10 and verse 14. What he essentially was saying is God can't fix it. He can't do it. The Israelites are breaking the covenant and you can't change them. They tore down your altars and you can't fix that. And I'm running for my life. I'm the only one left who serves you. And they're trying to kill me too. And the idea for Elijah was that God can't make it right anymore. He was hopeless because he did not trust. Hear what I'm saying very clearly. There's a lot of hopelessness going on right now. And Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever this thing's decided, there's going to be a whole lot more hopelessness. And here's the problem. We've stopped trusting God. See, here's what's really crazy to me, is somehow we as Christians have convinced ourselves that by our vote, we're going to enable God to do what God wants to do. That's the dumbest thing ever. God's going to do what God wants to do. And here's a little bit of news for you. He doesn't need us to do it. He's going to do it on his own. And I look at what's going on, and I realize that a part of the big problem is us pastors. And I watch pastors who get up in front of their congregations, and they say, if you love Jesus, you're going to vote for Trump. And then you have pastors who say the exact opposite. If you love Jesus, you're going to vote for Biden. 
I have one pastor that I'm acquainted with. Quit his church, started a nonprofit, bought a bus, and is going all around the country to uh, the states that are up for grabs and holding rallies to convince Christians it's okay to vote one way and not the other. And I see these stories, and I, I hear pastors bickering back and forth about what the Christians should do and how they should vote. And the truth is, we as pastors, we're leading the way down a horrible road. We're leading, we're leading the way to hopelessness because we don't trust God anymore. We've lost our trust. I mean, I look at Elijah, and I think... He just saw God send fire down from heaven. What in the world is he afraid of? And the truth is, as followers of Jesus, we can look back over our life journeys and we can see God again and again and again and again be faithful, but yet it comes to decisions like this and we think, oh, this is too big for God. He needs my help. If I don't vote the way that, that he wants me to vote, then I am messing up the whole system for him. And I tell this to you every four years. Two things. One, I'm going to be so glad when it's over. I'm tired of the phone calls and the mail and the people coming by my house. It's driving me crazy. The second thing that I always tell you is God doesn't care near as much about this election as you do. He already knows he's going to win. He's not losing any sleep. And he's not only got it all figured out, he's got it planned out. He's got it planned out. And so Elijah really just had the disease that we have. He lost total trust in God's capacity and God's ability. And that's what we've done. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to learn to trust God to be God again. And ironically, he never stopped being God. So, and I want to be careful, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you not to vote. What I'm telling you is to vote and then trust. Whatever happens is going to happen. And on Wednesday, Jesus will still be king. On inauguration day, Jesus will still be king. And so we trust. But then you have to ask, why would somebody lose hopelessness, especially somebody that just saw fire come down from heaven? Where does hopelessness go when that happens? How can you lose hopelessness? And, and the reason that, that Elijah became hopeless is he forgot who God was. He forgot who God was. So God, while Elijah's in the cave, says, all right, I'm going to remind you who I am. Okay, so let, let's see how he did that. So he said, verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Okay, the Lord was not in the wind, but he sent the wind. And he sent a wind that was so powerful that it destroyed rocks. Now, we live in hurricane country. We kind of understand what that means. I grew up in tornado country. I definitely know what that means. God sent a wind 
to show how powerful he was. That wasn't it, though. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Again, he was not in the earthquake, but he sent it. And then, as a reminder of what just happened with the prophets of Baal, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And three things God sends to, hey, remember who I am? Remember how powerful I am? I'm the one that sent the fire from heaven. I'm the one that's controlling all of these winds. I'm the one that has this power and this ability. You have forgotten that I'm in charge of these things. And then, after the fire came a gentle whisper. And immediately, Elijah knew that's where God was. When Elijah heard it, he pulled the cloak over his face because he didn't want to see God because he's afraid he would die. He pulled the cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And God, through the small voice, reminded him, Elijah, I am, yes, I am this powerful, but you've forgotten that I love you. And I'm with you. And you matter to me. You see, hopelessness comes for the for the follower of Jesus when we forget who God is, when we forget how powerful he is, when we forget how in charge he is, when we forget that he is working all around us and doing amazing things, when we forget that he is still on his throne and he is still directing the paths of people. I remember when I was teaching one semester, there was in my class a young man who had just gotten back from Afghanistan. And I didn't know at the time when the semester started, of course, um, that he was suffering horribly from PTSD because so many of those in his platoon died and he didn't understand why he didn't. And he was on the verge of suicide multiple times throughout the semester and I didn't know that. And so we get to the section on Christianity and in Christianity I talk a lot about grace and I talk about how Christianity is different than the other religions because God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And I told the story of Paul. I tell that every semester, how Paul went from killing Christians to being the leader of Christians. And that day he raised his hand and asked, he said, you mean God forgave Paul? I said, yeah, he did. Again, I don't know the story. I'm just answering questions. Well, after class that day, he came to me and he said, uh, Professor, I, I would like to come to your church and talk to you sometime. Sure, come by. Love to talk to you. Well, what I didn't know is he was going to stalk me in the parking lot and follow me back to the building that minute. <laughs> and he did. He came into my office, and we sat down, and we talked. And he told me his whole story. It was phenomenal how exactly the right times throughout his journey, God right, brought the exact right person for the journey to continue. In Afghanistan, there was a chaplain that God used to help him continue on. When he got back, there was someone who convinced him, instead of giving up, go back to school. And it was a computer malfunction that made his computer open up to take world religions. It just showed up on his computer. He said, you know what, I, I want to get some answers. And there were so many different things that came into play that God brought together so that he sat in my office and that day prayed to receive Christ. And that's not because I'm awesome. It's just because I said yes. It's because God works so many things together 
to make it happen just the way he wanted to. You see, when we end up at hopelessness, and, and hopelessness is where the world is telling us we need to be right now. When we end up at hopelessness, we have forgotten who our God is. We have forgotten how powerful he is. We have forgotten the reality that we're just blessed that he even lets us call him Abba Father. We have forgotten that he's the one in charge and he lets us participate in what's going on. So there is this call for us to remember who God is. And that leads then to the third thing in this story that is so powerful is that in all of it, God has a plan. He has a huge plan, one we can't understand, one we can't see. Look what happens with the story in Elijah. So he went outside, and the voice said to him, what are you doing here? I mean, my translation is, what are you doing here, you big crybaby? That's my words, not God's. It's like, what, what are you doing? He goes on verse 14. He replied, same thing in verse, as, as in verse 10. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And he's telling God this. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now you're trying to kill, they're trying to kill me too. Same excuse, same story to God's face. And here's what God says in 15. Go back the way you came. It's like, stop it. Go back the way you came. I've got stuff I need you to do. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Something that's amazing about that, Aram is current day Syria. It's not a Jewish country. It's not God's chosen people. And he says to Elijah, I want you to understand that I'm not just the God of Israel. I'm the God of the whole world, and I'm putting people in power that I want in power. So you go tell him and anoint him to be the king of Syria because I want him in place for something that's coming down the road. And he goes on. He says, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Northern Kingdom of Israel, this Jezebel woman that you're worried about, she's not going to be around much longer. They're still my chosen people. And then he says, and anoint Elisha to take your place because you're, you're a pain in my backside. No. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. And then he goes in and tells him the plan. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And he says, listen. I want you to set these guys aside. They're going to be the leaders, and they're going to accomplish my purposes, and I'm even going to let you in on a secret. This is how they're going to do it. And if you keep reading the story and what goes on in history, all of these things needed to happen so that a next thing could happen. And those needed to happen so that a next thing could happen so that everything would be set for the Messiah to come. It was all part of the plan from start to finish. And God said, Elijah, I've got a plan. I'm running this show. I don't have time for you to be worried and hiding in a cave. I've got stuff I need you to do. 
because I'm still God. Oh, and by the way, you're not really the only one. There's 7,000 others just like you. I'm reminded of the story when Jesus was arrested and he, he stood before Pilate. And Pilate kept questioning him and Jesus wouldn't answer. And, and finally, Pilate said, listen, don't you know I have the ability to set you free or to have you crucified? And Jesus looked him straight in the eyes and said, you would have no power over me at all unless my father gave it to you. Jesus knew what we can know too. Whatever happens Tuesday, God's in charge. And whatever happens Tuesday may not be about right now. It may be about 20 years from now. We don't know. And we don't have to know. I want to share with you a couple of passages of Scripture. One from Peter and one from Paul, the two pillars of the apostles. One, the apostle to the Gentiles. One, the apostle to the Jews. And they wrote about being submissive to governments. And you need to understand when I read these passages, these are men who were living in a time of persecution. They were living in a time when the government was killing the Christians. Hear me say that. They were living in a time when Christianity was illegal. And here's what they wrote. Peter, in 1 Peter 2, said this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the guy that's putting you to death. Honor the guy that's putting you to death. Paul in Romans 13, very similar Thing. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, consequently whoever re rebels against the authority is rebelling what, against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Submit yourselves to the authorities who are killing you. What? And I'm sure the people that read those letters thought, are you crazy? You see, here's what Peter and Paul knew. Was there was a bigger picture. And now in 2020, we can look back and we can understand that bigger picture. Because the more Christians they killed, the more people became Christian. You would kill one Christian and 10 new believers would show up. And no matter how hard they worked to kill off Christianity, by doing so, they made it stronger and they made it bigger and they made it more powerful. And you look back and you see, and it's still true in history today, you go to the places where Christianity is against the law, it is the place where Christianity flourishes. God was up to something they couldn't see. But Peter and Paul knew that God was up to something. So today, I just... It's really fantastic news. 
God's still God. He's still God. And, and I'll confess, I'm fascinated by the election. Not because of who the candidates are or anything like that. Just, it's just always interesting to me to watch. And as a public speaker, I like watching speeches and I like watching debates and those sorts of things and grading people on how well they do and all of that. And, and then to see and try to figure out what's going to happen, it's just fun for me. But in the end, here's what I know. King Jesus is still going to be king. And that's what really matters. So we got a quick video to kind of sum this up for us. Let's take a look. These are challenging times. The division and frustration are palpable. The balance is constantly shifting. The lines consistently blurred. Truths, half-truths, lies, mixed messages, confusing headlines. All in the middle of a nation whose back has been broken. Hope is drowned out by fear. Peace is muted by chaos. Dreams are crushed by reality. Finding God in the midst of this moment is difficult. As the election draws closer, countless voices will try to sway you one way or the other. Yet your responsibility is simple. Pray earnestly. Seek God passionately. Listen carefully and vote how he leads you. God is sovereign. He always has been. He is faithful. He always will be. And nothing, absolutely nothing happens outside of his providence. This is where we find peace in this moment. Today is a call to trust in Almighty God. Knowing that people can't fix what's going on in this world. It's a spiritual problem that is only fixed by Almighty God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you already know the results from what's going to happen Tuesday. I thank you that we don't have to stay up late and worry about it. And I thank you that you have a plan. That no matter who wins, no matter what takes place, no matter who's in charge of Congress, you're still God. And you're up to something. So, Father, I pray if there's anyone here who is struggling with what's going on and, and finding peace in it, that they would step back. They would remember who you are. And they would trust. So, Father, I pray that you give us peace, that you give us confidence, and when it's, the election's done, that we would be bringers of hope and light, not because of who's in office, but because you're still king.
Teach us to trust. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I want to tell you about King Jesus. One of the things Jesus was really good at was telling a good story. He told a lot of great stories that we call parables. One of the parables was about a lost sheep. And it went this way. He said there were a hundred sheep and, and one of them got away. And so the, the shepherd left the 99 to go and chase down the one. And, and he found the one and he called his friends and he said, let's have a party. I, I found my sheep. And Jesus said, there is more celebration in the kingdom of heaven for one lost person who is found than for 99 who don't need to be saved. Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And today, spiritually, you may feel lost. Everything may be in, in confusion for you. But here's what I want you to know is that Jesus came to show you the way. You can't be good enough to be right with God. You can't do enough good things. You can't give enough money away. But you can be right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your life, we want to invite you to do that today. There's a couple of ways that you can respond. I'll be in the Welcome Center. You can come and talk to me there. Let's talk about faith and what that means and what it looks like. Or you want to contact me online, there's a text number right below me there that you can text. There'll be someone who will respond to you and begin a conversation with you. Maybe you have questions. Questions about faith, questions about God's sovereignty, questions about religion or religions. Don't be afraid to ask. I promise you will not be judged in a negative way by your questions. But ask them. Start the journey. Or maybe you're here today and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put it on your heart that you need to be a part of this community of faith, whether you're here in person or you're online. Let us know that. And let's talk about what that means and what that looks like. Or maybe today you just need to pray for peace. To have the ability to trust that God's got whatever's going to happen Tuesday. You stand and let's sing and respond as you feel led as we sing together.
this week. Don't forget to trust God in all things. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next Sunday.